What up, what up, what's going on, y'all? Welcome into another episode of the Rabbit Hole Sessions. What's popping, what's popping? Tyler on demand with my solo cam today. Nice. That was a surprise decision, but I kind of like it. How am I looking? Hair looking good? Skin looking good? I think so. My skin regimen's been going up. I'm on that African black soap based. Oh, interesting. Yes, yes. Although, never mind. We'll go back to it later. Uh, maybe, maybe I'll tell you guys later. You buying but, those local? Are those huh? local? Are you like... Bro, fucking CVS. Or Target. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they got that. <laughs> it's, what's it called? Shea something? Shea Moisture, Shea I think. Shea is Butter? The, Shea... No, no. I'm saying like the company name is Shea something. Shea something. See, because the thing is, I was at first about to take skincare from, uh, like skincare tips from a white girl, right? But then I was like, we don't really have the same skin. Nope. So let me do everything she said, but go African black soap based. <laughs> so that's why I was asking if you were, were if you're buying local, like from a black owned business or something. Oh, um, I should. Oops, did I just expose myself? Yeah, no, but maybe I will next time. Any uh, West African soap stores hit me up. I'm trying to find that shit. It's not the same as the stuff they used to get from Nigeria that my grandma used to give me. Shout out to my grandma, but that's like the river water, river soap that's supposed to be like the blessings from the ancestors. And you're not supposed to wash it off after you shower. So you're basically just pouring like, you know, dirty leaves on yourself. And then you're supposed to go to bed smelling like it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's not my favorite time. Okay, are we, do we need to pause? <laughs> What's it's going on, apart, dude? Bro. Yeah, it's all falling Do we need apart. a re-intro? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it was just you talking. Okay, I think the, okay. that intro was fine. We can just start talking. Okay. Right, I'm just going to... Yeah, so anyway, Tyler on demand. Emilio Guido's here. What's up, brother? How What's are up? you? I'm good. I'm looking good. calm, looking comfortable in the Thank white you. tee with the chain. It's a good contrast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Young Jamie McMoney, Mr. I'm Valdez. Here. How are you, sir? Doing all right. Good to Surviving. see you. Hair going crazy in the wind. We are yeah. outside. It's Your pretty windy long, today. Like yeah, it. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. growing out. I like grow. it. I got this. Uh, I'm also on a new hair care routine. A new I what? got hair care routine. Oh, look at us. Yeah, I'm Divulging going tips. super curly. I'm letting yeah. them grow out, you know, trying to see what it looks like whenever I go extra curly. Get them locks. Yo, that's why we got them on cam now. That's why we got all that uh, new fashion stuff. Shout out to YouTube if you are watching because we do got this video. Uh, I was like, yesterday I was trying to do more of the like compilation stuff and was working on some more stuff to fill out the YouTube with. So y'all can definitely stay tuned for that. It's it, the hardest part is honestly finding pictures for each clip. Like I just have to find them from the most random sources, and I'd love to know where all these other rappers get their cover photos and yeah. stuff from. What if I you think just use like ours. a ridiculous one? Huh? What if you just use a, a ridiculous frame from the video, like where you like cut? Yeah, yeah, no, I've definitely done that a couple <laughs> times, but it's also like I mean I don't have any pictures of you guys, so it's either ones that I'm always in or you know like the only picture I have of James <laughs> is the one where I'm trying to help him up on that brick thing. I haven't even seen that. Which uh, one's that one? Uh, when we were that at, was you. Um, at Suffolk, place by near Suffolk. Suffolk, yeah, and we were messing around uh, like this. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I took. Yeah, I was capturing video and pictures. Yeah, Sweet, nice. Well, James, you do photos for rappers. Like, do you just have random ones that they ask you for that you end that they end up using for their covers and shit? Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, remember when we went to Delaware? I took like a shit ton of photos. I uploaded them all into that Google Drive. There was like 500 images. Yeah. Um, I don't think any of them. Have been grabbed by like Kazi, right? Right, or but they're there. They're oh, there. God, yeah, they're like all there. The flower ones. Oh, I also just got this USB drive for my phone, so I got all these iPhone photos I gotta put onto the drive too. Oh, good shit. So we got more content yeah, coming. Yeah, more content. Out. I think about the Bobby Ray cover because that picture is just that was from the beginning of COVID. Y'all remember she took that picture of me? That was like all the way back in the beginning of COVID. There's just a random one like in this spot by my house. And it's just that I ended up becoming my smash single. Smash single. <laughs> you know what we do. You know what we do. It's the only smash. <laughs> but that's a different story. We getting into that? That's a different. I mean, He's we don't need to. Yeah, uh, yeah, we don't need to. Beautiful. We don't need to. Who knows? I might even get clipped out. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but we're here. We've been kicking for a while, man. I don't even know. Like, should we start with what we were just talking about? Or would you like to dive into some of the other interesting things we came across this week? Anything off the top of y'all's head? Just trying to continue creating, you know, even if we just shot something or we're still filming something, you know, we're still trying to work, start another project and take the lessons we just learned while we're still learning them and apply them to a new, fresh product. Got to keep it flowing. Yeah. You know, something my, um, my professor told me in class today was like, sometimes you got to think about, you got to stop thinking about the limitations on the things that you're doing right now, right? So like, in our production, in your production, when you were trying to find casting for extras and stuff, right? If you focus too much on that, you kind of lose sight of the overall goal. And it, it, it just muddies your mind with these doubts on it, right? Um, so it's, all, it's like every now and then you got to change your perspective on your own stuff. Um, change it to what? What do you mean? Just try to look at it from a different way. Like even looking at it from like 
Um, just trying to think about what I'm trying to say real quick. Well, because you said not to get focused on a specific aspect because yeah. you might lose the grander picture. Exactly. Right? So, yeah, what yeah. You, so when you're saying switch, are you saying switch between the individual things you focus on or switch mm -hmm. from like zooming switch in from and zooming out? A perspective of a director, switch to maybe a casting agent, switch to maybe a, um, a cinematographer right. you know, in these different areas because it's such a, a big field that there's like lots of disciplines within it yeah. that you kind of got to understand. Um, mm. And they each give their own different perspectives and insights, you know? So, so in this case, like maybe even seeing it from an actor and seeing like, what would, what would pull this actor to my project during this time? Right. You know what I mean? Does that apply to time as well in the sense of not limiting yourself to the present moment of the project and also considering all of it or is yeah, it definitely. staying in the present moment of it? No. Cause I think that's switching into like a producer mindset, like trying to see the, uh, the time frame of the project. Um, yeah, the pragmatic parts of it. Gotcha, because that you have to involve the whole timeline then, yeah, because you are producing it. Yeah. Can you can you hold a little back from your mouth? I think it's a little too close for the cam. Yeah, yeah. And <gasps> it just looks funny from this angle too. <laughs> looks like you're eating the, the mic. That's but how anyway. the first video looked. Huh? That's how the first video that we took. Yeah, he loves the microphone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's good. He's well, good on it. I have to hold on the mic. I just think it's a little close. I just think it's a little close. But um, you're fine. You're fine now. Um. Yeah. So we were just talking about the film thing because there was something we were just speaking about i don't know how you got into something about perspective of a voyeuristic character and oh. maybe we can rehash that but so I, I was just talking about um the first film that we made uh echoes of what used to be and how um it's a cyclical film and how the character doesn't really learn anything from his journey because he starts where he or he ends where he began mm. and um one of when i showed it to the class um one of the audience members said um he made the point that the though the character doesn't learn, the viewer of the film learns from their experience and takes that with them in their own life. Right. And I had never thought of that perspective because I have a hard time separating myself from the character because I'm trying to get into the character. And what's nice about the audience is they don't have to. Like, they don't have to be that invested. Um, oh, yeah, they get to see what the fruits of the investment. Yeah. Like, they get yep. to see what it turns out. Sure. Yeah. And that's where I think I was just saying off mic that that's where the viewer becomes the voyeur or the voyeuristic perspective yeah. becomes the viewer because now you get to, like you said, just watch, analyze. You don't interact. You just see what this person does within their life in the world of the film and you get to take what you want from it. And that kind of relates to, and we can dive into it more in a second, but the Jimi Hendrix article you sent me about how he was a very inspired by science fiction and stuff, right? And framed some of his songs from the perspective of like an alien or from uh, like someone who used to live on Earth and is coming back. And just I, it just makes me always think about you know how storytelling is kind of like the basic form of truth that we communicate right like more often than not we take things from the moral of a story right or from a character of a story rather than it actually just happening and it's almost like you have to take this voyeuristic perspective to be able to learn anything right because it's almost like if you only focus on yourself then it's too limited like you're too in your within yourself you know what i'm saying i don't know does um so when you read the Jimi hendrix article what was it about it that had made it stick out to you well i just wanted to i'm honestly really ever since getting uh the record uh for his first album uh just like are you experienced was it's called was it that's what it was called mm -hmm. um i just wanted to know more about him because he's a very the the songs i like on that are uh one it's called may this be love and then the third one or the second one is um third rock from the sun and both of them are very like earthy and spiritual and like he makes the guitar like the first one like the good he's talking about waterfalls and like don't ever change your ways and like returning to this waterfall and things like that and um uh and he makes the guitar sound like water dripping and things like that and so he's able to like make these really earthy and then his his next um album was um access bold as love and there are some songs on there that are so like very he was so in tune, like he was a very unique artist in that he was so in tune with nature mm. and writing about nature, like actually like the earth and talking about being in tune with the earth and and um, and even making the music sound like that, whether it's the drums or it's the guitar. And um, and so it's I, it's just sad that he died and didn't get the chance to really fully explore, like because it would have been a really yeah, where would like, he have gone? it would just been so unique especially a science fiction also developed more yeah. around him yeah. and it's like that's his main yeah. source of inspiration i it's 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 really cool to see when um like artists find inspiration through other mediums right like mm -hmm. other things frame their kind of 
I'm speaking specifically of musicians, like their musical perspective. For me, a lot of the times I think of like when I position the character or the protagonist of a song, a lot of times there's thoughts of like manga characters, right? Or comic book characters. Or So a lot of my inspiration comes from those realms and those stories that are told and then trying to like fuse it into rap. And that's also something that just in rap in general is pretty cool. Like the blend between like Japanese anime culture and hip hop, like how there's kind of such a trade off there. And that's always something I've wanted to explore more. One day maybe I'll write a master's paper or something on it. But <laughs> that's like, do you guys find inspiration for film through other mediums? Because I know Emilio, a lot of the time you talk about inspiration within watching other films like within the film medium but do, do you guys find it anywhere else from other fields definitely yeah. definitely because i feel like as artists we're only telling the truths how we see them right like our own truth right and when we digest these media it's these artists giving us their truth and when we interpret it we twist it around and then put it into our own lives and see it our own way so it's like it's constantly evolving if you're taking um the perspectives of all these people you're just putting out something new that's involving all of those perspectives. Mm, and you are, like, adding your part into it, exactly. which, which makes it, like, a grander thing. It's yeah. less of something that exists on its own, but exists because of everything that's being added into it that's valuable. You know what I kind of relate it to? What's that? Um, Majin Buu from <laughs> Dragon Ball Z. He would there absorb we go, people. look, other mediums inspiring. <laughs> the... He would absorb people, and then the power would be multiplied within him, not just added, you know? And he'd, he'd become a new thing while involving them. That's how I see ingesting media and creating your own media based on that. Nice rap. I like yeah, that. Yeah, was good. good. Yeah. Reminding me of what <laughs> tied it all was. up. Thank you. Because <laughs> um, you're the first thing I thought of, and it's funny how this episode, or we've kind of spoken about it throughout, whether it's been recorded or not, um, is echoes of what used to be. And um, that was inspired by a, a song, um, Nights in White Satin. And it was just, it kind of similarly followed because um, the lyrics are. Um, uh, nights in white satin never reaching an end um i can't even remember the rest of the lyrics but it's about um writing these letters and never getting to send or and and that's what the theme was um of the film until he went to go try and deliver and then who knows what happened after that do you often because i remember even back in the age of information days like the, yeah, a lot of designs right. were inspired by lyrics and stuff that's so true. does that happen a lot in your films i think so Yes. Yeah. Because also even in the scripts, they include music. I also like to write with music in mind, like um, when Maxim at Lorelei, when that comes out, that's a lot of um, Nirvana, um, a lot of 60s uh, rock and roll, um, freedom rock and encourage nice. that. Film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember um, talking to you about that, like when we first met in Curry. Like right next to like you burger yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were talking about the film classic yeah. and uh you, you mentioned all these songs and i had never listened to them but I, I went back and i did listen to them and i saw exactly what you were talking about after that i got i could kind of get a better idea of what you wanted and then it helped me as an actor emulate the stuff the themes that you wanted in your film it's like what you're saying bringing the multiple things together enriches the totality you know were you about to say something um no so yeah um yeah, I remember that. I remember yeah, talking yeah. about music and then getting into the film. Yeah, yeah, I think it's important. I wish what's interesting is, and I, and I think this is something that I need to get comfortable with as I become direct more and more, is um, I miss small sets. I miss when it's just like us two, us three, or whatever it is. Um, and it's and I think what's interesting is, and what I've learned also about like um, filmmakers in the 70s, is that a lot of them made movies with their friends. And, and that allowed comfortability and they knew each other, whether it was emotionally or not, um, and things like that. And um, like, cause I, I'm, we used to play music on the set. Like I would play the music that was gonna be in the film. And I told you to like to bring the speaker and I didn't play the music. And part of it is because I don't even feel comfortable. Um, cause, I, cause I've played music out loud before, even just from my phone and like people are quick with comments and it doesn't <laughs> even matter. It shouldn't matter. Cause it's yeah. not for what? them. If it's not for them, right. it's for the film. It's for them. It's for me. It's like, and that's It's fine. for the world. Like it's, yeah. it's feeding into everything that's going on. They should be more inspired. That's on. kind of a closed minded thing to so say. So I, like, I think, um, yeah, I guess it depends on who you work with. Yeah, but, um, you gotta pay, hand pick. Well, that's what you're saying. Like, that's why you like to work with the people that are like-minded and can choose. And even you said f people that were making films together. Right now, people that are in L.A., like this whole podcast circuit of people that are friends and support each other. Rappers that are friends when they make music, it's dope. Like, they they make the best shit. I it's all this... about picking your circle. Oh, yeah. So Sorry. No, I'm um, done. I'm done. I read this article that was talking about the efficiency of teams and whether they're important, right? And so they analyzed whether doctors in, or surgeons in one hospital 
were better in other hospitals, just like in generally, like if it was just their skill getting them there. But what they found was that the failure rate at their first year in each of those hospitals was the exact same. So they didn't grow after they, they went into each hospital. When they grew was after five years working with the same team mm. in that surgery, op, uh, surger, doing surgeries. Yeah, really, right? yeah, yeah. So it, it just showed that like in any profession, if you're working with the team for long enough, you understand how to work with them better. And it just makes you a better creator. You know? take, take it to basketball. I mean, the Lakers just won the ch the chip, but the Heat, like Jimmy Butler, when he went there, like there was a couple spots he went, and it's like their teams kept losing. People were doubting him, like, is he that good? You go to the Heat, you around the right people, give him the time, and it's like they went to the finals. Like nobody expected that. Tyler Hero is going to be like next year, dude. <laughs> him and Duncan Robinson. Nutty. And Bam. Do you think any of them are going to leave? I'm curious. Nah, like, I don't think leave. So. Like after this year. If anything, they're going to try to get people. Is that possible? People. Aren't they rookies? Yeah, I think some of them can. Not the rookies. Not the rookies. Aren't, isn't Tyler Hero a rookie? Like, yeah, he's Iguodala, a rookie. I'm, I'm talking Iguodala, isn't Iguodala, a rookie? Jay Crowder, maybe. Teams just know. change every year, so I'm yeah, sure yeah, some yeah, of them yeah. might lose. Well, they need to get rid of Iguodala. Like, I, that was a big reason, <laughs> I think, why they lost, honestly. Jay Crowder was pretty consistent. He, he was, was good. Yeah. No, he was yeah, good. Yeah, it's it's just, yeah. Iggy's old, dude. He's he's too old. It's not the days of finals MVP. Dude, I was watching, like, you know, the best of LeBron throughout the final series. And so, like, every play was him getting an and one on Iguodala. like, why is he still? And every play, Iguodala's throwing up his hands, like, every time. I hate that that's the first thing they do. You know what I also hate? Some people also just look really annoying when they do it. When people fall on the ground, and I almost said a character, but when a basketball player gets hit, and falls on the ground and if he stays there longer than five seconds yeah. and holds his face they're looking at the play for a flagrant they stop yeah. the game to look at mm -hmm. it for yeah. a flagrant they're also just it's getting a the breath they're yeah. just sitting I'm, I'm with it for the breath but now it's like they take like, it too close like, oh. Yeah, if it's for the breath, I'm with it because I'm like, yeah, that's good, like little tactics to give your team a rest. But it's like you said, when they take it to the flagrant, it's like, all right, mm. fuck this. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I think about Iguodala? Why he kept getting stomped on? Why? It was because he's been in the past what five finals now? Oh, that's so right. He's, been he's playing against LeBron, LeBron, but he's like, wait, is he older than LeBron? He must be. I think so. No, yeah. I think maybe actually, yeah. I think but so. he's met with LeBron several times in the finals oh, before that's right. now. And so he, I'm sure LeBron yeah. just figured him out. He Dude, just also, the year that he won finals MVP for literally only guarding LeBron, like that's the only reason he won it, LeBron still scored like 30 a game <laughs> that series. You know they, they considered yeah. giving the trophy to Le the, MV the MVP of the finals to LeBron, too, I remember. It was either Iguodala oh, that year? or, oh, yeah, oh, or LeBron. That was, that, cause, was that the one where he, it was lost. just him? It was like him and Delvin. So Dolevin it only Dolevin. happened because yeah. LeBron lost then. God, Delvin Dolevin. Is yeah. he still in the, oh, he's on the Bucks, or was really? he? Really? I don't know. Who? He was for a little while. Who? I thought Delavadova. Hold on, oh. I'm trying to see how old Andre Iguodala is. How old is Andre Iguodala? He is. It feels yeah. I'm so glad Come the Lakers on, won. And 36. I think I saw something that. Um, I think they're the same age. Oh, then I think. Aren't they the LeBron same LeBron James then? is what 38 or something? Turning 38, Wait, I think. LeBron he's turning age. up there. Yeah, I think 38. But um. Or 36. On Anthony Davis, I high. heard that he's gonna. He's 35. Yeah, 35. So they're basically oh, the same okay. age. Yeah. Anthony Davis is going to resign, I think, with the Lakers. Oh, he already agreed. Yeah. yeah, bro, he better. Where are yeah, you going, Why would bro? he leave now? Where are you going to go? Yeah. He's in a place where he's succeeding. And I wonder who, I think the at the beginning of the season, the Lakers also had Boogie Cousins on their team. They did, didn't they? Yeah. Is he not still on no. the team? No. I thought he got a chip. No, he just, I don't know if he did because he wasn't, he got injured. He got injured early on. I do remember and when And then he wasn't him. part of the team. He didn't go to the bubble and stuff like that. So yeah. I don't know like if oh, that was so long ago now. I think that was like the first year of the Lakers. But he was a one-year sign And then they just signed him. So I guess he didn't get, damn, poor yeah. DeMarcus. He could have got his chip. Dwight Howard got his chip. It's cool Jabil though, Rondo got, oh, got one. A, a chip with the Celtics and the Lakers. Yes, dude. He's the only player in history to do yeah, that, which that's is cool. nuts. That's pretty impressive. There are that's quite really a few cool. people who on there on that team who have a championship from different teams. Yeah, Which Danny goes Green. to show like how different the leagues are now and say like the 90s and Because everybody's moving around. Yeah, yeah as so opposed much to movement. We might yeah. have to... Um, redo the cameras because the oh, sun just we'll went We'll stop soon. Yeah, we can, do we want to pause and redo them right now or... Pause. Pause. Yeah. Hi. We already paused. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, yeah, you brown that girl. Uh, oh, yeah, you brown that girl. Uh, shit. Uh, oh, brown that. Yeah, yeah, uh, I don't wanna know. If you gon' lie to me and walk up on your own. I got no time to sleep. You said you were sure. That you were tired of me. I'm my misery. That shit is history. Keep it clean like Listerine. Uh,
grinding every day, grinding every night. If I see a milli before I die, then nigga, that's alright. All these fucked up bad bitches, but they bitches and they all like. I don't want no love, it's no good for me, baby. Can we just vibe? Can we just ride? Move through the city, I'm a ghost in the night. She want a nigga, cause I'm sexy and fine. And the nigga slick talk, can he rhyme? But I still can't help feeling like I'm gonna miss it Anytime I see a picture or I even get a whiff of your perfume Those fumes put me in a twisted damn So let's go back to, um, James, you said something earlier about bringing pieces together and adding them on and that making the whole greater because like the parts are so much better and something kind of related to that it made me think about a thought i've had before of like and this is it's kind of veering off a little bit but is there any part of us that is unique to us as individuals like at first i would say for example our perspective or like our view or our lens but what is that that's something that's shaped by people who raised you what you grew up by right all that shit so it's not exactly you and so my thought usually goes to well, it's not one thing that's actually you. It's the amalgamation, right? It's it's what you've chosen to mix and match that is uniquely you, not the things that are actually mixed and matched. Do you what do you have any thought on that? I think um if we disregard external things, right? Let's go straight into you personally. You have a mind that you listen to, like you have an internal voice that you could actually listen to. You have your own senses. You have your sense of hearing, your sense of sight, your sense of smell, taste, touch. There you go. Right? <laughs> you didn't think I knew him, huh? Uh, right. <laughs> you put more space in between them. I was like, you going to get it? Is he, or is he going to stop? <laughs> um, all of that is our, our receptors that we have ourselves, that we can receive information from the world. So in, in, a, in a way, all of that creates a perspective that is unique to ourselves. I think, because no one else is experiencing the things I, I'm experiencing. And no one else can make the decision on how to interpret those things except me. We can see, hear, taste, everything. It's the interpretation. And you, people are like, well, like, it, it kind of goes into like... Well, that would be the perspective thing that I was talking about, though. But I don't know if your perspective is you. Oh, because it's a combination of everything. But because it, your perspective is kind of formed by just, like, yeah, your external influences. Yeah, but it's, it's all those inputs are a unique combination to you. So it is the combination, like it you're saying. It is a combination. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. okay, okay. So I, th yeah. I think we're saying the same thing. So are you thing. asking if I have, like, something specific to myself that's Or just what you thought, all of if that? there was like, one thing that was, like, what made someone uniquely them, like, if it was something like perspective or, you know, the soul, whatever you want to say, or if you thought it was a combination of things. And it seems like you think it's a combination. Um, well, that's interesting because, like, sometimes I'll, I'll pose the hypothetical question, like, if one person were to experience everything that you were experiencing, everything from like your birth and to now, it's just the exact same, would they make the exact same decisions? Right, I'd um, love to know. And I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I don't damn. know if they would. Can I, you ever, damn, that would be quite the experiment. Could you ever set that like control group up experiment to make that happen? They do do studies where they follow people for years and years and years, but uh, I'm sure it treads some line of there being some unethical issue. Yeah. What think, about like orphanages? Like Those orphans close, who were there but... from when they were born. Okay, yeah, so I was like orphans that grew up, <laughs> like that just grew up in the orphanage from birth. Say they're the same race, same everything, right? Like, so there's no, like you balance out all of these possible biases or whatever. So they all get the same shit. There must be a pair of orphans that that's happened. In I like, don't know, because the smallest thing can change. Like, if you're treated a different way, if you're told a different thing, yeah, you know, it has you, to be exactly you know, the, ex the right. Exact like if you go to the bathroom and sometimes someone else doesn't, and yeah. you know they get yelled at or some shit. Yeah. Right, Small right, right, right. Okay, okay. Damn, are orphanages as bad as like they say? Like some of the rumors say? Probably, but they probably I don't, don't know get shit enough funding. Them. You know? I don't know. Sh Wait, let's hold on a sec, because that wind just really fucking spiked my mic. Yeah, back onto the topic. 
I think I like to think that we all have something inherent in us that is different, that we can each um, make a decision. Because, uh, like, I kind of feel it every now and then, like, just an instinct or, like, my gut feeling, you know? And I feel like that, at least I like to think it is, is unique to myself. Mm. And maybe I'll make the same decision as someone else, but in some cases I won't. And it's on me to decide that. So mm. I, don't, I don't know. I like, to, I like to think I have free will. Hmm. <laughs> it's more optimistic. Yeah. I think I'm different. I, I mean, like, I think it's... I'm, it doesn't always feel good, like, earlier on in your life uh, to be different or be told you're different. Um, but it feels better as you get older. Um, and, yeah, mm. I, I definitely think I feel... Go on that I a little more. I think I think different. What? Go on that a little more. What do you mean it feels better when you're older, like, uh, that you're different? Well, I, I think as you get out into the world, it feels better to be m- more unique or to have different things that you like in comparison to others or your decision-making process is different to, than others. Um, and that's not even, like, some grandstand, like, I'm better than you type of thing. It's literally just, I know I think about things, and it makes me form my own thoughts and opinions about them, and it usually gives you a stronger foundation to go out into the world with. Like, if you're just fed your thoughts, right, and you just regurgitate what's fed to you, if you're ever put in a position where you're on your own, you're going to struggle, probably, flounder a little bit. Because you don't know what to do. You don't know how to adapt. Yeah. As the youngest in my household, I always felt like, for the most part, I was doing what other people said, you know? And then when my brothers finally moved out to college, I could recognize, like, okay, this year I'm really all on my own. You know, besides my parents, who I, have like, have a good enough relationship where they trust me to make my own decisions, my senior year was all me just developing myself in my own ways, right? Um, but then that got me thinking like, damn, even my friend groups have influence in a way, in a small way, you know, the shows I'm watching, everything has their, their own influences over you. Um, and, and oftentimes when people start questioning all of those, it it brings like identity crises into their lives, you know, especially when you're mixed. (laughs) (laughs) mixed. (laughs) That's just a whole nother complicated layer. Yeah, exactly. So So it's good to find your truth. What do you decide? Yeah. And then accept it. And realize that you have the power to decide that. Yeah. Like, you can do it if you want to. And then you also need to have the humbleness of realizing that it's not the whole truth. Yeah. But it's a fantastic start to finding out what the whole truth is, right? Because once you accept that, then you could you, you have so much more control over your personal identity. Mm. When you and how you that. react to things as well. Yeah. Like, how, when circumstances hit you, you now have, like, a stronger foundation of just even who you are. What, what kind of person do in. I want to be in this situation? Right. Do I want to be helpful or do you want to be an asshole to this person right. who's maybe being an asshole back, you know? Like, yeah, well, hey, and hey, so, I mean, listen, there are some times in life where I prefer to being an asshole than being nice because it's, I don't know if it's the quote-unquote right thing, who knows? You define that for yourself, that's also part of knowing shit, but and, uh, there are times where I'm glad I wasn't nice because I don't, I, I'm glad, like, I would, I wanted the situation to either, you know, disappear or go away or something like that, right? But I feel that, man. That's, we're always nice to the strangers who happen upon us. We always and, say that again. Uh, we always we're always nice to the strangers who happen upon us, in uh, our dwellings around Boston. Uh, oh God, like the yeah, crazies. Just yeah, just any yeah, the crazies. I guess in another word. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is that yeah. allowed in my life? The crazies. Yeah. The eccentrics. Yeah. Is that we, better? Yeah. The eccentrics. Because the there'd be a lot of different types. There's the druggy eccentrics. Mm-hmm. There's the just homeless eccentrics. There's the just weirdos. Yeah. Like just we're people. We're not sure what's wrong. We're not yeah. sure what they're doing. <laughs> There's the shirtless guys in the alley that come and just scream and bang <laughs> on the concrete that's, that's while we film. I think that was crazy. probably yeah, that's drug crazy. Probably like yeah. heroin. Probably like, dude, there's that's a spot like in the concrete. Do you think that's like, corner. who do you, they think they are during <laughs> that, that moment? You know, yeah, like when like they're King Kong. deep into, when they're deep into addiction, do you think they're, they're, they know that they are? Or uh, probably. Do some of them just accept it and just feed straight into probably, it? Probably, because people who, you know, smoke cigarettes or have a dependency on other type of drugs, they know they're addicted. But those are different. Than we should have we, a cigarette I'm talking like heroin. Yeah, we should. And talk about addiction. Let's have Matt back. Yeah, because I think he stopped. Or I don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I don't, yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. Talk I was talking like stronger drugs, like heroin. Like heroin. Do you think, oh, so you think they're like in this such otherworldly trance they're not even sure like of themselves anymore? Probably because that shit makes you do crazy things to get or like crackheads, you know, like they break into people's homes and then to sell things like their own family members. Right. So it's like it makes you do crazy things for it. So, yeah, you probably do lose a sense of self. And that maybe is what the dependency becomes part of is part of like who you are is attached to this thing because you maybe only feel some sense of familiarity when you're actually high now because you probably started to use it as an escape. 
and then it became your dwelling, right? So it's like, I don't want to escape from that. I want to go back, which actually, look at this, Segway Kings. It flips back to what we're talking about, the, the Jimi Hendrix um, article, because there was a part of it where I watched the video. I didn't read the article. That was part of it. But it said that, do you know what it's called? Just in case so we can tell people like what we're talking the about. The article? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. I'll pull it up. Yeah, fine. I'll keep going. About it. But it was talking about towards the end how once he started incorporating psychedelic drugs into his music and into uh, and like longer riffs, longer songs, really experimenting and doing crazy shit, as well as the sci-fi stuff, it started to um, become an escape not only for him, but he wanted it to escape for people as well. Because that was also a time where a bunch of shit was going on: wars overseas, civil uh, strife and shit, Especially, turmoil yeah, for, for in America. In yeah, the, I think America, MLK yeah. had just been assassinated around the time when he started doing the the drug switch. So it's like there was a lot of shit going on. And so he's like, part of that is the escape part. And I definitely am with that. And we've spoken about it before, even on this podcast, about like how film is an escape, how music is an escape, and how it's, as we mentioned earlier, like a conduit for a message or for truths that sometimes are not as easy to communicate. But at what point is the escape too much with art? Ooh, okay, that's an interesting topic. So first, let me just say the article we're talking about is how science fiction formed Jimi Hendrix uh, on openculture.com. So read up, people. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> that's interesting. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Um, that's interesting that you talk about because I, I think recently I've been um, indulging more in 70s cinema and um, the characters, the bombastic and eccentric uh characters of um uh like directors like orson wells and like um dennis hopper for one who you know at one point he was seen um in the in 1969 when he released easy rider he was like when people when producers like in hollywood didn't know how to get people to cinema to the cinemas dennis hopper made easy rider and that brought like that he made the movie i think we've spoken about it it was like for he made it for half a million and it made 70 million in theaters or something like that and so he was like within two years he was seen as like this like you know like um whiz kid uh child of like who he's the leader of the next like rebellious generation of you know people and then he makes his next movie and it's too far out and it's just like and nobody it just felt completely fell apart because a lot of drugs and like he he was in he's quoted saying that um he believed he needed drugs in order to inf influence the art and after when he got older and he learned and uh, like became more mature he realized you know um he saw he said people like robert de niro and al pacino who are able to act without doing drugs and he was like you know i have the same train i have that method acting training or whatever kind of training i don't need the drugs in order to to bring out these characters or do a good job and then he went on and made like four films in like a year or something um, one of them was Blue Velvet with uh, David Lynch in, in like a verse short sequence. But he was like outcasted. Um, he made a movie in 1971 and then for like he didn't. The last movie. Uh, yeah, funny enough. It's I'm sure a it's very, a cult classic too, right? Like, Not really. It's like really like hard to understand. You can't find it anywhere. I've seen it like twice, but it's like you, it's really hard to find. And um, it's as much as I, I really, really like him for how much he believes in and his, how passionate he is about cinema and how free he is when he makes things. Mm -hmm. um, and that was part of the reason why I wanted to, I had the revelation when we were filming uh, the fight scene of wanting to get the camera off the tripod and actually try to, you know, cause he said the quote that I had mentioned, which was, if you're not creating in the moment, then you're not creating. Right. You know? Oof. Yeah. And so you can't just come in with, um, and a lot of times I, I had also heard another quote where it's like, you have to be ready when you come into whatever production it is to um, uh, walk in with your, you know, your nicely planned, whatever, your little plan book and just rip it up as soon as you walk oh, in. Shit. You know, you have to be ready and okay to do that. I'm going to start doing that with the podcast. I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm ready yet. <laughs> just going to start I'm, ripping I have a hard up the topic. <laughs> yeah. the, yeah. the thing you said about the, you, you go first because I was going uh, to There's actually a director, I can't think of his name or who it was, but someone mentioned that. Oh, it was Audrey. She said that she was on one of my shoots. She saw how chaotic it was. And she was like, there was, there's this director that just writes um, the storyboard while he's there. Like, when he shows oh, up, oh he does it all right there. And it's, it's just pushing yourself to do it in, a, in, a, like, in the moment. That's kind of what we were going to do for SMS at yeah. DAP. Like, I was so many abbreviations. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, I mean, 
I, and I don't know if that would have worked. I think maybe we need to do it a little more in advance, but like that's what we were planning to do kind of because it's not like we had written one beforehand and it's not like we had every shot planned out we kind of just had scene by scene or like major points to hit that would lead the scene and that you'd kind of yeah. follow and craft out so i, I think don't it know. is important to structure a little more for I, your I, I, do, I do too yeah. I, especially, especially because we have no experience also i mean you're renting the space so don't waste your yeah, money yeah that's yeah. true yeah. Like, i wouldn't do that you, you have to be effective that's a good yeah. point we're not you just really out do. in the streets just yeah. doing whatever it's not yeah, us yeah it's totally different and when it's just us it's different in fact on a time frame it should be super yeah it should be like bro film production man producing a film is way different than Music. Yeah. What the yeah. fuck? And I realized even with, with Max and Lorelai and how we were supposed to film in April and we really didn't start till July with everything going on. Um, I thought I was ready in April, and there are so many things that I like thought about that realized I what that made me realize I was not ready until July, and I probably still wouldn't be ready if I had more time to think about it till a few months later. So. For my writing class, I have to read articles based on my discipline, and I chose my discipline to be filmmaking. And the thing is, he wanted me to write a research paper almost on, like, these document or these articles about filmmaking itself and, like, that I've read in the past that made me learn more about it. But everything I've learned about filmmaking has been in the moment. Just doing it, shit. like, actually yeah, doing or it, yeah. Read, like, watching a movie. Yeah. There's not... I haven't read any articles, and if there are, then it's either about films... In the context of of how they were made, someone yeah oh yeah yeah so yeah. it's like, what does this guy expect from me you know yeah <laughs> that's why like I don't think we can I I I've, I've been suggested by a writing professor as well to write something about film and like what like what like it's critique? like it's a, or just some, I don't know like, like um it was it was actually it was advocacy writing so write something advocating for filmmaking or and I was like what what like nobody advocates for filming it's like a it's a very like it's a honestly filmmaking is a very privileged um uh art it's although a, it's, it's becoming very, more dem democratized as in like privileged people are the ones who have the most um, access well it to takes it? it uh like tennis it takes a lot of money um yeah. it takes it takes a decent amount of money time to make investment. it time and to learn how to use all this equipment yeah well even just like especially even like also on the hollywood level too i mean even to the point that uh, they make food, the StarCraft carts or whatever, make food for the day, and then they throw it out. Whatever is left, they throw it out. And there are so many homeless people, whether wherever they're shooting, I can right guarantee there. it. If it's yeah. in L.A., dude, skid row. That's what I'm saying. So it's it's crazy that that's, that's the rule. They're not supposed to give it to to people. That's like that's like the fashion companies that burn all their shit at the end of the season so it can't be resold, so it keeps its value. I've been thinking this for a while. I don't think movies should be raking in trillions of dollars. I don't think they should even have a budget of a trillion dollars. I feel like at that point, it kind of goes into what Scorsese was saying about Marvel films being just like amusement parks, you know, where they're throwing in all of this money to do special effects and feed like exactly what consumers want instead of pulling it back and then putting in your artistic expression, not m money, not how much you could pay for the production. Because I didn't like Endgame. I, I wasn't a fan when I went to go I see it. Like now, in general, <laughs> I'm cool with Marvel movies. Like having, I, I agree with what you're saying for like most movies. I think for like the blockbuster ones that are based off like superheroes and shit, maybe you could get some more leeway. But for example, like the Black Widow one that they're gonna do, I would want less money to go into that than Endgame because that one's more should be an intricate story and character. Cause she's an assassin. She's not the fucking Hulk. She's not Thor. She's not just destroying shit. She's supposed to be covert. She's supposed to find sneaky ways to get around things. And the storytelling and visuals should match that. So I would agree there. I, I, I think, like, it only comes because there's a constant need for blockbuster films, you know? Like, we, like people want a new film to go see. But that was only during, like, the boom of the movie industry. That was, like, during the 1930s when the movie industry... Really, really, I learned this in my film analysis class, Nathan Blake, mm, really up. boomed during the Great Depression era when there was so much um, just existential angst, right, that people needed some sort of escape. And their outlet was filming, like films. They would go to the movie theaters. and Art in general. But yeah. 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 And so they that's when it really started picking up because these movie studios were able to give these audiences a form of spectacle that they could just spend their time doing. Um, or something they can relate to. Something that, and then at the same time, something they can relate to. After that, it started turning progressively. I'd say like, I'm not a professor, of course, but I'd say like in the 70s and 80s is when it started becoming even more blockbustery, um, and then it was exponential from there. In the 2000s, 
on is like super, super. Um, COVID might be changing that back. That's what I think. That's what, so now over the past 10 years, the theater industry kind of has been dying, right? Because they're streaming now. Um, so I think there doesn't need to be blockbuster movies every single yeah. week. A Netflix film doesn't cost nearly as much as it a Marvel should, film. It should, and it shouldn't. Yeah, unless you know? it's The Irishman. Unless it's The yeah, Irishman. Yeah, unless true. you're Scorsese. Scor- <laughs> yeah. Because that's then true. it gives more credit to the films that do manage to make it to the popular scene. Mm. You know? Because it, it wasn't then, a money thing. It was exactly. a skill, talent thing. Exactly. Yeah, then yeah, talent yeah. can drive it to popularity rather than, than income. You know, mm. that's my thoughts on the I entire think we have film a better industry. chance to make. We have a better opportunity to make movies now. I think independent filmmakers can come up out of COVID, like just yeah. with theater kind of industry, like you said, dying and kind of being, uh, what's the word, Dis- dismantled a little bit. It's like it's forming a whole new wave for now independence too, especially if studios start coming out with smaller theaters and stuff and they want to show more than just their own shit. They're going to want to, like, you could license out Max and Lorelai, right? For then they'll probably, you know, you won't get paid, obviously, Scorsese numbers, but, like, right? But it's, like, it could be a quality, quality check for an independent filmmaker and more exposure and shit. That kind of scares me, though, because if Marvel ends up, I mean, if Disney makes their own studios. Oh, yeah. Everybody's fucked. (laughs) Then it goes back to money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's the scary part of that. But if it does end up being these smaller studios able to distribute their own stuff and they find, like, interesting ways to do it, like, maybe they have, like, a backyard theater. Or even small like theaters too, like yeah. independently owned as well. Like that would, that didn't really have the blockbusters anyway, and also uh, wouldn't have that many people in them anyway. So if people are afraid of COVID coming back, it's like they could have smaller shows and they could have things like independent films there because it wouldn't cost them too much to license them out to show. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe. That's so true. who knows? I don't know. Could happen, bro. Somerville Theater, hit us up, yo. Like, <laughs> where else are the small ones in town? Um, there was something you said. We're kind of tying, looping back a bit, but about the, what was the guy's name that said the thing about the drugs, about not needing Dennis them? Hopper. Dennis Hopper. And it's just interesting. That goes back to, James, what you said about what makes us different and like what makes us unique from each other and shit. And just kind of people's reactions to that. Because you read about Jimi Hendrix, when he started doing the psychedelics and the drugs, he thinks his music like exploded and expanded to new depths, new heights. Dennis Hopper thinks his didn't, right? Like his creativity well, didn't. Well, he did in the moment. Oh, and then okay. I think and after, upon reflection. as he got older, he realized it didn't. Mm. Yeah. Well, then I do wonder, like, for one, Though what he doesn't people... regret the yeah. last movie. He d- I that's will good. say that. He's still now to this I wouldn't day, either. He's dead. If I was him, dead. I would not either. You yeah, know? That's you tried good. something. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You tried it in the moment. That's what, yeah. I mean, that's what we're doing now with all I've, this I've shit. I bet like something like that that came out today would be a little more accepted. It would. Yeah, it was very like, it was, you know what's interesting? What he said when he, he, when he was editing it, he tried to, he was trying to, he comes from, actually, he's a actually well-known, like, for his photography, like, won awards and uh, f- filmed, like, I think maybe some in, like, Vietnam or some wars-related stuff. Um, but he had said that uh, when he was editing the film, he was trying to approach it in a way also, like, how, um, like, uh, a painter like Jackson Pollock, you know, comes and splats paint. You know, that's accepted, the splatting the paint. And then uh, when he comes to approach a film and he's editing a particular sequence in the film, it's like... Uh, his character kind of like has been shot and he's kind of running around and it's jump cutting and it's cutting in different um, shots of different things of nature or whatever Um, and like that's so much more jarring than it is like looking at a Jackson Pollock painting Um, but that's the same mindset he attempted it with and um, one thing when he released the film he did say that um, if like in an interview he said something about if this film uh, if people don't see it then the audience I thought was out there is not going to be here for a very long time. Wow. Yeah. He was right. Mm. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately he was yeah. right. Yeah. Mm. Wow. So uh, something about film that I, I find interesting is that it's such a creative thing and collaborative, but because of how collaborative it is, there's so much structure in in I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait. Okay. Um so something about film is that I think film and music are considered as two like the most creative fields you can get into, right? But film has so much structure to it underneath, underneath what you see on screen. Like in each process, like pre, pre-production, pre you got screenwriting that has three acts most of the time. And in those, there's sentence structure even. Like when you, you get so in-depth with the writing and then filming itself has cinematography that follows certain rules, the rule of thirds, you know, 180 rule. Um, then editing, editing is probably ironically like the most freedom you have because you could place anything wherever you want but arguably st- the most important yeah. part of the film too but you're still restrict restricted by technology and in a sense time you know and how you structure it in terms of time um so i think audiences 
kind of accept more structured stuff, and there's less of a want for disorienting, jarring, more experimental yeah, things. Yeah, because it's more familiar, and people like to be led for the most yeah. part. People like to be led, and a structure gives you something to follow, yeah. right? Like climate, or what is it? Like, what's the right? Yeah, what's the thing that comes? Conflict, rising action, right? Climax, denouement, or whatever that shit's called, falling action, all that shit. Like, people love that. That's why Hero's Journey has survived. And that's not to say that's a bad thing. Like, it's a reason the structure's persist because they're fucking good <laughs> they're good at delivering a story but that's where we need room for creativity yeah and i think the the democratization of filmmaking has made those crazier things become more accepted and that's mm. why i said i think it would be more accepted today if dennis hopper made that film because we have things like tiktok they're just like 15 seconds you know like small form videos where you can't match the structures of film and still video it's still it's still film it's being created in 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 different ways what's also important to consider is the um access to to this medium because he was making a movie that you needed to see at least like two or three times and you know to get people to go to the cinema two or three times is to ask it's to ask a lot in a way yeah and especially the money you have to pay what no matter how much it is it's still you know you have to really want to go see it to see it and i know that for me the most when I went to the theater the most was when Movie Pass was ten bucks. Hell yeah! yeah. When you could see a free movie that's every for, day. That, that changed my fucking life. What a good that time, dude. Same. Life, and I dude. never really went that much. I always liked it, but once I got that shit, when you could go to a free movie every day, I'm like, great! I just got out of class at three, and I don't have another class. I'm headed to AMC. Instead of taking a nap, you just go watch a film. Thinking a different nap there because it's free. I mean, you can, <laughs> and then you can even pop into another movie after. Which like, definitely yeah. did. You yeah. doubled oh, up the yeah. movies. You got oh, to. Yeah. You got to, bro. <laughs> yeah, like that, James. The video, the camera's off. You can't give and them maybe, the sauce. And maybe honestly, dance. with the with the studios creating their own, maybe the, there will be new rules on films. I mean, on theaters. You know, like maybe there will be a theater that allows you to go to as many films as you want. Yeah. You pay like ten bucks for the day or something. You know. And maybe there's studios that cool. are like day past smoke the theater. Weed. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Smoke weed in it. Excuse me. That's crazy. If that that's becomes ridiculous. like an investable thing. They have a dispensary thing, side to a theater. That's, I mean, but that's, that's what I was about to say. They showed like oh, only shit, we got to cut that out because that's a good idea. Yeah, actually, yeah, let's keep that. <laughs> but if movie theaters become an investable thing, like where it becomes the same as opening up like a mom and pop shop because the, the, the industry does break down enough that it's affordable, that's exactly the shit you could see because people will have thematic theaters like the weed theater or the, you know, the, I mean, you can drink alcohol in theaters now, but just classical whatever. Theaters. Classical, exactly. Like, it'll be more niche because yeah. now, the, now the theaters. field's opened up. That's interesting, that man. Beautiful. I mean, that that's what happened so to music. Beautiful. That's what happened to rap, right? And yeah. hip hop, like everything is allowed now. Like you can be as eccentric as you want. You can be as lo-fi as you want. Your, your vocals can folk. be distorted. Shout out to Young Thug. We were riding with James the other day and he was blasting some XXX that oh, that's right. was clipping like the entire song. <laughs> the audio clip, like yeah. distorted clipping. It's that's like, one of my favorite Jesus. songs too. Oh my Jesus. God. Jesus. Jesus. Oh, that's so yeah, that's, that's telling folks. <laughs> what was it called again? Uh, Floor 55. Five, five. What was he saying in the hook again? Like Boyd's done or something? No, it was um, Boy Boy Don't is... Test. Boy Don't Test. Boy oh, Don't Test. Because it was about a fight or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. That was, that was really super bad. Super hyper violent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like a middle school song. like chant. It's very angsty. Oh, yeah, super yeah. angsty. But it's kind of nice to feed into that sometimes. Put it in Max. We were just oh, rolling. We were cruising through the street. <laughs> like yeah. there were innocent bystanders and you were just screaming. I, I got care. some good footage. I don't care. That makes me feel it Did more. Did you see the car footage or any of that stuff? Yes. The one for uh, Rafters. Like when me and Alex were in the back, that one was really good. That We got really good shit there. Um, what Did you like? Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was just gonna say the hanging out of the car stuff too. How'd that? Yeah, look cool. They'll probably use that for another. I'll probably use that for another song. Cause I, yeah, but it was it looked really fun. Can we use that for Bobby Ray? No, it wouldn't fit. It would, it's during the day. It wouldn't fit. Oh, that's yeah, true. yeah, it's that's totally true. different. But so last thing on this Jimi Hendrix point, um, um, it kind of goes back to the escape question I had because we took it a different route than I was initially expecting, which was cool. Hmm. But the escape route was um, or escape route. <laughs> the escape like tangent i was going on was more because he was making these um jimmy hendrix specifically these musics in response to like i said all the turmoil that was going on both overseas and domestically in america and wanted the music to provide escape and indulgence like in a different way for people to confront it but at what point does the art or does the viewer like indulge too much in that that now it's running away from the problem or ignoring it right and now it's almost romanticizing it through the art rather than addressing it as the serious conflict that it is do you know what i'm saying that was the thought that came in my head after I heard that. Yeah, I was I like, know. is there a line where people escape too far? I think so. Uh, yeah, like Twitter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right? Like yeah. people escape so I mean, far esca Escapism Twitter. is what is so tied to connection. I mean, uh, to uh, addiction. Mm. That's like people. 
okay. do drugs to escape the realities of the world, right? For the most part. Wow. I mean, yeah, you, just, you you get dopamine highs. That takes wow. You do artists have some way? moral responsibility then of when they... Like, I don't know if Jimi Hendrix was necessarily addicted to psychedelics, but... They say he uh, put LSD tabs in oh, his yeah, headband he did, when, yeah. he, when he played live, so it sweat. Oh, so it went right into his... Oh, that's pretty That's, that's, that's pretty a smart sick. idea. That's pretty, like, that's that's what I mean, he's dope. like earthy, dude. That's he's like figuring dope. out ways that people just weren't thinking. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of dope. <laughs> but it's like, does that... And then putting the music under that lens, right? Like that... Um, I don't want to say romanticize again, but it does. Like the illusion of doing the drugs and finding escape through those drugs to the audience. Is there any responsibility in the artist to that? You know? Responsibility for and, and letting what, yeah. people seeing that? Like as then an what, image? Because then it's like if they, in like you want people to take in your music, right? And I don't know, I guess, I mean, a lot of people do. Want it to, to mean something that means something into their lives. So if that then becomes something that they now use it for escape to a quote unquote I don't know, irresponsible extent, which might be what we said, like escaping where you're now are ignoring the problems. Is any of that on the artist, do you think? No. Like, it's like letting their music or their films. Like what they portray, what they promote. Wayne and Lee. Yeah, and I guess. Like, oh, there you go. Actually, yeah, that'd be the contemporary comparison. Ooh, they always talk I about see. the ones that talk about popping pills, doing lean, all that shit. It it's depends like, what they're, how they're like inputting their own how they're opinions using on it. it. Like if they're highlighting well they're usually bigging it up right so. yeah well if in future's case he is bigging like, yeah well yeah but i know yeah and i guess the difference would be in thinking of hendrix's case when he was doing it he wasn't saying i'm taking lsd and this is awesome you should do it it's like he was making songs that were from the perspective of an alien commenting on the conditions of earth or of someone who had left earth and came back and the psychedelic sense was him blending that with like his science fiction interests and then kind of positioning it as a story rather than just saying I am on LSD or this character's on LSD and that's why this is happening. It was kind of just like, this is happening. And I guess that'd be the difference from someone like, you know, a little pump or future. It's just saying, sip, lean, drink it. It influenced his thinking and that influenced his art. Um, but it never... That wasn't it the was focal never, point. It, wasn't the sur it never made the surface of his art. Yes, the art was the focal point. That just kind of added into it or like touched it up in certain places. Can you fault artists that are only speaking on their circumstances, like the ones that talk about gun violence and stuff. That's just their, that's that their existence. I mean, yeah, that's the classic That's the classic argument against gangster rap. Yeah, is there any responsibility on those rappers for reinforcing or promoting these ideals? Well, what would they rap about, to be honest, though? Like, what would they actually rap Pull about? Pull up on, you know, pop you know, them in the club. Like, right. you know, moving up in the world, and maybe. I mean, there is that, but then there's a lot of straight pull up on you and shoot you as well. So there's a lot of that. Where it is glorifying violence in a way, but... Yeah, but yeah. then it's like, so, so does everything. So does mob movies. So oh, does, yeah. so so does, it's like, I mean, Maxim yeah, exactly. glorifies smoking for Christ's sake. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and violence. Yeah, uh, yeah. What I would it be like if you... Uh, but, yeah, but yes. <laughs> all of it. It's got all of your debauchery. Jesus, we got a shooter coming through. They just bust him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh -huh. pinball. That'd be actually be really uh -huh. bad. No, no, no. Okay, that would not be, that would not <laughs> be good at all. I mean, damn it. I fucking forgot what I was going to say. God dang it. Um, is it break time? Um, that's why no. I don't think it's on the artist because there's influences everywhere. And if an artist is talking about something, it's your choice to decide if you're like, yeah, you know what? I agree. Fuck it, I'm going to go shoot. I agree with you. I think, you're I think every artist is entitled to express what they want, and it's on us to decide if we're going to put up with it and then also accept it. Because other people will do the job of talking about whether it's right or wrong for you. You know, true. You put out your truth, and then you do you. You'll have some people on Fox being like, yo, he's talking about killing cops. <laughs> Also, even LeBron just said also, too, that, um, you know, shout out to his critics because they'll, you know, they'll come up with the next goal for him to Ooh, tackle, basically. Let's go. That's the motivation part of it. Okay. So there is all of that. All right. We got to pause. I'm going to be on yeah, pause. Skip to my loo, fucking on you. I do not lose, no, I don't cap. I just told the truth. What you won't do? Got a little bit of weed and the wine too. Lift to the moon, 
Next thing you know, we turn night to noon. Woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Uh, Run it back a few times in my head. One feelings I do hide coming instead. Mm. Put it to a few rhymes with my pen. Okay. Pressure on my chest from the walls closed in. Pressure to be the best. Want it all for my kin. Put me under the test and I get to check it. Man, skip mm. the stress. Leave when I check it. Hey, bye. My family be proud of me. Yeah. I don't give a fuck if you doubting me. None. I'm looking out from my balcony. Perched on the edge of the galaxy. Said last night I had a dream. Martin Luther told me you the king. Okay, we back. Yes, we did jump cut in. <laughs> we're just going to address it right now. Everybody's wearing different <laughs> outfits. It's colder. That's it. That's what we're about to go back into. Um, what did you say about Bleach Report? Was it pod topic or no? Um, you didn't have to cut it in there because I just drained <laughs> it. <laughs> That's okay. Jeez. Because it's a little yeah. bubbly, man. Oh okay. All right. Um, no, so I just saw something on uh, Bleacher Report talking about um, should uh, the Rockets trade James, Har- James Harden. Oh, oh shit. Wow. Be I interesting. bet Russ would feel like shit if he just transferred to that team. Oh, yeah, that's true. Teams. And then the same thing Dude. happened to him that just happened oh, to him in the Thunder. God. The star goes away and he has I to I would carry root it. for the Rockets after that if Westbrook was still there. Was there any, like, where would he go? Like, did they give any suggestions? No, know. I just only saw the... To um, the banner, yeah. yeah. I didn't see what the article or anything. Interesting. You know, the Mavs said they were willing to take on like a big salary for the next Whoa. year. So they're they're looking That's for an, disgusting. a star. James Harden, Chris Dabbs, and I fucking would, I would not uh, like that. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say That'd I don't so think that's bad. a good idea. I don't think it's gonna like happen. That. I don't think James like Harden's ever gonna win a championship. I don't At think least so not either. Because he's uh, not in his prime. Is this his prime? Yeah. This is a prime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Maybe, like, in, as it starts to fade, he'll start to actually take, like, a back roll and go more yeah. to a six-man roll where he started. Yeah, imagine, yeah, like, He'll never Rondo, win as the lead guy. You know? Yeah, Something like exactly. that. He'll become as important as, like, Rondo was exactly. as a six-man. Yeah, I bet this is one of his last years to shine as, like, a leader on the team. Yeah, because <clears throat> he's now it's been proven that he can't do it. Yep. You've had the Several time. Times. You've had the teammates. You've had, like, everything that they've said you needed, whether it's... Uh, another point guard who can handle the ball and like floor general Chris Paul, yeah. another one who could score Russell Westbrook, right? Or just or like uh, they've had bigs, they've had yeah, small Capella, forwards. Clint Capella was dope. Fucking what's the um, Tucker? What's his name? PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker, like PJ Tucker. great power forward spots up in the corner and will play tough ass defense and rebound. Yeah. He's had every chance and good coach Mike D'Antoni, mm. like that fits his style. Yeah. So he just yeah. it's proven now that he's not. You're not going to win if James Harden's your best player on the team. Mm. Or if he's number one option, at and least. And now there's younger players that are really showing up. I mean, this year like alone, who? there was Tyler. I have no idea. Tyler Hero. Oh, um, I thought you meant Luka. on. No, the not Rockets. on the Rockets. Oh. I'm talking new players in general carrying their teams to to the playoffs, which means they're going to get better in the next few years. Right, Luca. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. So, um, I, what is it? It's Ja Morant or Jay Morant? Ja Morant. Dude, ja Morant. he's nuts. Yeah. yeah. What Murray? the hell? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yo, Michael and Jokic, both and of Jokic, them. Both yeah. of them. So they're, they're, the new generation is already there. So Harden's, about to be Harden's part of the old generation now. Yeah, wow. I mean, he's basically of the same class. I mean, a little later than LeBron, but just a few years after. Him, Westbrook, and maybe KD, that's their class. I think class. Westbrook's LeBron's in the same older. field as him, too. Westbrook's done, bro. Yeah, Westbrook's done. done. We yeah. argued it with Kazi about it in Delaware, but yeah. Westbrook's done. Westbrook's done. He's not. He might never win a championship, which is sad. <sighs> sucks. Did Oscar Robinson win a championship? I don't know. I don't know. We can look that up. I want to know. The other, I, mean, I want to see if uh, going for the stats is really all, all the, what it's written up to be at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? Because Oscar Robertson was the yeah. other triple-double guy. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Triple-double. Yeah. Trip Does it double. say if he has chips? Oscar Robertson. Nickname the big O. I don't see chips. Oh, just kidding. 1970-71 NBA champ. Sorry. Sorry, mm-hmm. old head. Sorry, everybody <laughs> that's yelling at us. My bad. My bad. But, okay, so there we go. So maybe Russ has got uh, a chance. Um, the last thing, or I don't know about last thing, maybe, but I wanted to ask you guys about, um, and something we've kind of touched on, like very tangentially on here, but, and I don't remember the context of when I first thought about this, but does perfection exist anywhere, ever, in this world? Whether that's creative. Depends on your definition of perfection, perfection bro. Without I think, flaw. I think, um... I think I could make something that's perfect to me. I can make something that I think is the best that I could have did. Like something I created that I think is like, wow, this is something that I'm proud of and it's perfect to me in all of its flaws. Mm. It, it may not be mm. I don't perfect know. in terms of what other that's people cute think of. Though. 
I believe that. I'm just I playing. No, I do. I've been your after school special for I'm the playing. day. Yeah, no. no, for but, real. No, no. But it's perfection objective. That's what I was yeah, going to Sorry. The speaker has a question. That was opinion. That was weird. Anyway. Um, but that's I think that would be the next question. I guess that is, was going to be my follow up because James yeah. did kind of give the cop that's out a answer. But it's that's like a it's subjective. true. It's true, though. No, I understand what you mean. But I don't even think I don't even think you in that moment would say it's perfect. No, of course. Like not. to yourself. I yeah. think you would say you love it and you cherish it. But I don't think like if you love it for its flaws, I think that's saying right there. It's not perfect. OK, mm-hmm. so in, yeah, then no, technically, you no don't perfection think it exists. whatsoever. But that means you yeah. have to find things that you accept their flaws for and say, I think Perfect it might exist. Now, you yeah, know? I think it might exist in like moments, like mm-hmm. very fleeting moments, mm-hmm. but not over time. Like I think it might be a very, very short-lived thing yeah. that capitalizing then makes everything else better. Like we've said it. Uh, I don't remember which one of you two said it, but you said that like the first thought you have, creative thought, whatever, is perfect because that's what it's meant to be. Kind of like that's what yeah. the thought is when it's first just thought of, mm-hmm. and then that goes away really quickly because it's pretty much immediately influenced the first time you have the thought. But like in that whatever second infinitesimal small moment that it that it first comes into being, it's like perfect. What, so like does that? What, what do you mean? I don't know who said it. I don't remember which one of you said that. I think it might have been you, Emilio. Yeah, it probably was you because I don't believe um, that. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I wonder how true that is. Yeah, um, yeah the wind is too intense. Dude. Getting cold, bro. I'm getting chilly, And you got bro. the warmest thing, or at least the windbreaker. I don't know if it's that warm. It's not that warm. It's the rip in his jeans. Oh uh, yeah. That too. You no know yourself, or you bought them like that. Huh? You no, do them yourself. No, you bought them. No, you bought them like that. You save money that way, to be honest. You paid more to yeah, buy less fabric. Pay These toes are cheap, bro. Huh? My pants are cheap. Okay. Always. They better. But if those were more than ten bucks, they stole your money. <laughs> They're definitely more than ten. They bucks. stole your money. <laughs> I get my stuff all at Goodwill. Nice. So it should so not be ten bucks. Maybe someone else ripped them. Yeah. That's fine. Anyways. All I'm saying is you should not be paying more for less fabric. That's all I'm it's saying. It's a stylistic choice. That's fine. I'm not gonna aren't take my fashion always, advice from you, Tyler. All? That's oh fine. Boy. Yeah, no, go. that's. I mean, that's <laughs> fair. It's very fair. <laughs> Mr. Melon. It's very fair. <laughs> Mark Melon. It's a shirt. Yeah, it's a shirt. Everybody. <laughs> not a shirt. It's a crew neck. Oh, it's a crew neck. Oh, okay. It's very a yellow nice. crew neck. Yeah. With oh, you thought he was just font. saying that to me? Like you thought he was just saying Mark Melon to me? No. What? What? Never mind. Anyways, yeah, we're lost. Anyways. Perfection. I've had a perfect joint before. Anyways. You had asked me, a, you were saying something <laughs> I about... I want to about that. But yeah, go, go, go. No, because that's a moment of perfection. But you go first. Okay, okay. You, go, you go first. We'll um, go back to that. You had... Uh, I don't know what the semi-quote was, but that you were talking about... Now or before? Just that we were basically talking about, that oh. you had asked the question about. I think, um, if anything, when I think about that quote, which was like... Um, the idea feels the most perfect when it's in that infancy stage when mm-hmm. you first think of it. That sense of perfection is naive. Yeah. Mm. If anything, if if anything. Um, because mm. I, I actually do feel like it's not perfect then. Um, yeah. I think the more you think... Pure. Right. Hmm. So what were you just saying? <laughs> if you want to share that, I mean, uh, yeah. Yo, what's up, y'all? It's Tyler. So we had an issue with James's mic, and we lost his audio for the rest of this segment. So unfortunately, we're going to have to end the episode here. Well, we'll play one more song, and then we have our little outro and sign-off. Sorry about that. We'll try to make sure it doesn't happen next time. James. Clearing ha 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 uh still no fucks to give man this shit funny gone tuck the bibsy and no still runny running up the biz come and get your money done fucking with you don't do nothing for me Jim huh. rummy got the cars laid out been bummy now the stars played out stone cold thunder bouncing off with a bunny fucking on like some rabbit she give and take something from me feels like summer always hot in the booth and the boy no bummer come and rock with the truth oh babe ruth i be swinging through the roof keep it blazing with the booth had the blazing hit a goof and choke a laugh laughy tap daffy ducking leave you sputtering and gasping keep it everlasting i'm never ducking always front and something at the front end i don't see second i'm way ahead and I never turn my head uh, I got the blinders on And you got your finders on See the time is on And my time is now I look around And I end up looking down When I look for competition <laughs>
I be on the mission, and my premonition is they'll never see the vision. Damn. Page burns, cookie crumble. Uh, out the way, you were trouble. Find a way out my bubble. Yeah. Hide away, get a hot dog. All right, fellas. I think Perfection. that wraps up the this episode. I think we logged a pretty good, damn good one today. Is there anything you want to leave the people with before we sign off? It's interesting. I, I think sirens have been going on from like the beginning of this podcast. Oh, really? Zena has also come down from her. We're in an undisclosed slumber. location. Yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> with sirens. <laughs> Where sirens are ever present. Yeah. Yes. So that's that's, that's Emilio's last words. Yeah. <laughs> James. Nice. Mm, there you go. Um, yeah, y'all. Thanks for joining this episode. <laughs> thanks, YouTube. Thanks, uh, wherever else y'all are listening. Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Follow us on Instagram at Rabbit Hole Sessions. On YouTube, Rabbit Hole Sessions. Check out our YouTubes, Emilio Guido, Tyler On Demand, TylerOnDemand.com. James's YouTube is coming. And more stuff coming from us. I got a website coming too. So That's right. Tight. He does. Peace out, y'all. Prosperity. <laughs>